As they went out, the soldiers came upon a man from Cyrene named Simon. They compelled this man to carry Jesus' cross. As you may have heard in the parish hall right before this, that beautiful parish hall, by the way, I, I, I am awed by the work that's been done on it. This congregation of yours never ceases to surprise me each time I come. The work you do together, the work you do uh, in this beautiful place. As we were in there, uh, and as we got ready to process out, the rector shared with you a little bit about this canon's work, about the fact that I'm the canon secretary of state, so I travel an awful lot on behalf of the church, trying to build as many bridges with others as I possibly can on behalf of the presiding bishop and on behalf of the church. Sometimes traveling with him, more often than not traveling on behalf of him and on behalf of the Episcopal Church and other places. So in the past six weeks, I've been to something like uh, seven countries, I believe, six or seven countries in the past six weeks. Last week in Nairobi, a couple weeks before that in Shanghai and Hong Kong, and then two weeks before that in Rome. Now, while in Rome, one of the reasons for being there was an incredible experience to have a private audience with His Holiness the Pope. There was three of us, Sir David Moxon, who is the, was the uh, outgoing uh, director of the Anglican Center in Rome and the Archbishop of Canterbury's personal ambassador to the Holy See, uh, as well as Mary Reith, who is a remarkable historian for the church and who just finished writing a history of the Anglican Center in Rome. The three of us had a chance to meet the Pope and, and chat with him briefly. I wasn't sure what to expect. I've met him before, but always in a group setting. So one-on-one as we were meeting with him, Mary said to him uh, with, with deep seriousness and solemnity, she said, Holy Father, she said, I want you to know that every night before I go to sleep, I, I pray for you. And with a bit of a twinkle in his eye, he looked back at her and said, what, you don't pray for me during the day as well? That evening, I was at a, in a, another event with ecumenical leaders, uh, a service, a special service at the uh, Church of St. Paul. And uh, as he came up and was meeting the Orthodox and Protestant and, uh, leaders and, and then came to me, he grabbed my hand again and looked at me and said, now don't forget what I said today. I need you to pray for me. This time, less of a twinkle in his eye and a little more serious. He got it right. As followers of Jesus, are we present, alert, praying for one another and for those we encounter? Are we there with others? Take, a, take note of um, that, that line I just read a few seconds ago, the line that we, read, that we heard read uh, beautifully by the remarkable narrator and the other uh, youth who did that extraordinary uh, uh, reading today. Notice that line right before we stood, as they went out, the soldiers came upon a man from Cyrene named Simon. They compelled this man to carry Jesus' cross. They compelled this stranger to carry Jesus' cross. I have a huge problem with this. And the problem is, Simon wouldn't have to been compelled to do this if the disciples had been present. Take a look at this at the story. If you go back, you see all the different, you know, Pilate, uh, Pilate's wife, uh, uh, scribe, elder, uh, uh, 
crowd, us, uh, chief priests. Where are the apostles? Well, most of us know the story, but if you go back a chapter earlier in Matthew's gospel, the night before these events, we see them having this wonderful dinner, this celebration of the Jewish Passover with, with their teacher and friend. During that dinner, we hear remarkable statements of, I'm there with you to the end, says Peter. And then we find as they go to Gethsemane, as they go out to the mountain, we find that Jesus says, I need you to stay awake with me. Please. This is a hard time for me. And it's said that they fall asleep. You know, we're so used to reading the Gospels 2,000 years later. We're so used to reading these that we just kind of gloss over this stuff as religious stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, they fell asleep. Yeah, he comes and wakes them up. Peter denies them. Judas betrays them. Yeah, yeah, we know the story. Yes, and because we know the story, we may miss what, what's happening here. Jesus is asking his friends with whom he has spent three years of his life through thick and thin. He's saying to them, I need you to be here with me. And they are not. They fall asleep. More than that, they fall asleep. They wake up and find out, hey, this isn't going the way we thought this was going to go a week ago. Where's the palm branches? Where's the all glory, Lord, and honor stuff? And they run away. One at least, one denies even knowing them. Another one, for whatever motivations, whatever his motives, turns them over to the enemy. In the end, they're not in the story. So you got to get this Simon. Thank God for Simon, the stranger. But you got to get this stranger to come and do what they should have done. Folks, how often have any of you, whatever your background, whatever your age, whatever your experience, have you ever been in a moment in which you really counted on some folks to be there for you and you found yourself alone instead? Have you ever felt, ever, as if you were on your own. Yeah, they come back. The apostles come back. We name churches after them. They do okay in the long run. But what a lesson. We who would follow Jesus have an extraordinary calling upon ourselves. As the Holy Father said to me, and as he said to my dear friend Mary Reith, you know, well, why don't you pray for me during the day as well? Are we there for one another? You know, there's a, a songwriter who was writing in the 1980s, in the early years of contemporary Christian music, who wrote a line in which he said, you know, the world is sleeping in the dark, that the church just can't fight because it's asleep in the light. We who are in the light, all too often, can find ourselves, and boy, for me, very true, sleepwalking in the light, going through the motions, smiling and getting through the day. But to be truly awake, truly alert, is to be looking at where God is at work in someone else's life. Three years ago when I was with you, you won't remember this, but three years ago when I was here, I talked about 
one of the guiding principles of my life. That is that to be followers of Jesus is to be spiritual detectives, to be always on the lookout. Where is God on the move? And that's where I need to be. With whom do I need to be? This past week, as I said, I was in in Nairobi in Kenya. I was there as we were doing disaster preparedness training and response uh, work for the clergy of the Diocese of Nairobi. And then they, in turn, were going to be uh, trained to be trainers with their congregations as they prepare for their upcoming presidential elections. These are people who only a couple years ago faced the terrorist attack at Westgate Mall. But these are also the people who for the past many years have faced an unbelievable violence around their presidential elections. They don't have a two-party system. They they have a no-party system. They have a system in which they are in great fear because it's whoever speaks loudest and has the most people behind, sometimes a mob behind him. And so they are very nervous. And one of the questions they raise is, how can we be present for all the people outside our church's walls? Yes, they got it right. You and I, as we come through this coming week of Holy Week, we're going to hear story after story expanded of what we just read in, in summary. We're going to hear a little more about Jesus on that night of great passion. We're going to hear about him walking the way of the cross. We're going to hear about him on the cross itself, crying out a cry that any one of us has said at one time or another, if we're honest, my God, my God, where are you? Why have you forsaken me? Why am I alone? The call to the church then, the call to the church now, is to say to those around us, in these walls and outside them, no, you're not alone. You are not alone. God's present. How do I know God's present? Because I'm present. And right now I'm going to stand with you. Why is this happening? Don't have an answer. I don't have that answer. And I won't try to make one up. But you're not alone because God's here. Because I'm here. Years ago, many years ago, when I was um, getting ready to go to seminary, I saw a dear priest who I looked up to so much, strong as an oak mighty in his preaching this was what I wanted to be when I looked at him only then things began to fall apart in his life problems in his family deep problems of health of abandonment to the point where I walked up to him one day with the minister of music and as I rounded the corner I overheard the end of a conversation where he said to the minister of music I'm not sure I even believe right now My gut-level response to that, what was it? Compassion? Pity? No, I was angry. What? What's he talking about? He's not even sure if he believes anymore. He's the guy with the collar. I'm trying to get to be that guy. I thought there was a point in which suddenly you're strong beyond measure. 
you know, God like suddenly touches you and, and all problems go away or suddenly you're Superman and Wonder Woman and, and you just kind of get through whatever. Thankfully, I'm not the one he was talking to because the minister of music was wiser than I ever will be in reaching out and putting a hand on his shoulder and saying, that's okay, Father. Right now, we'll believe for you. In the years to come, that priest regained his faith deeper, not quite the same as before, not quite as innocent or as naive, but deeper and more profound. As he went through his Gethsemane, as he went through his Golgotha, he was reminded at the right moment that he did not go through that alone. You know that, that psalm that we heard Jesus quote? It's a psalm he quotes on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Is the beginning of Psalm 22. Remember, it's followed by another one that we know pretty well. Psalm 23, which has a wonderful line that reminds us, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. Why? Because it's all going to be easy? Because it's going to go away? Because the problems are going to cease? No. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil because you are with me. And how will the world know that? How will anyone around us know that? Unless God is with them in us. Not offering easy answers because there are none. Not offering platitudes because those are weak but being able to say, I have no other words than this. I'm here, God's here, and I will, will pray for you day and night in the days to come. Folks, as we go through this Holy Week, I hope it's a blessed one for you. I hope on these beautiful days that we're seeing right now that I hope that things are going well. I hope that you are going through a, a Palm Sunday experience right now in your life. But if you're not, and if someone around you is not, I pray even more that you or that person will find God present, even when God feels most absent. And as we as detectives look for the presence of God in the people around us, as we don't go on to autopilot, but stay awake and say, wow, that person is kind of off. Not sure that I want to ask too much, but I'm going to be present. And for now, I'm going to be starting to pray for that person, that coworker, that neighbor, that friend. As we do that, we will be more than Simon of Cyrene, more than someone compelled. We will be what the disciples were called to be, truly friends of Jesus because it is Jesus himself whose cross we will help bear.